Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. With uncertainty lingering as the 2021 tourist season approaches, Visit Sitka presented their marketing plan and budget to the Assembly in a work session last night. The plan focuses on some bright spots for the 2021 season and projects a tourism boom in 2022. The Visitor Enhancement Fund was created in 2015 with money from the transient lodging tax. It's the primary source of city funding for Visit Sitka, but the coronavirus pandemic has hit the fund hard, so their budget is smaller for next fiscal year. In um, looking at the reduction in revenues um, and also looking at what we're anticipating for the growth of our visitor industry and the amount of services that are needed to support that industry coming. Um, this is a reduction of 22% over last year's funding. Rachel Roy is the executive director of the Sitka Chamber of Commerce and Visit Sitka. She said even with the big reduction in tourism last year, Visit Sitka was busy creating lots of promotional materials and marketing to people dreaming of Alaska vacations. While it's unlikely tourism in Southeast will fully recover this year, with Canada's cruise ship ban extended through the beginning of 2022, some small luxury cruises are coming back this summer, along with an anticipated increase in domestic travel. Visit Sitka director Lori Boisa said that this year they're focusing marketing effects efforts rather on travelers who can reach Sitka easily. Our digital advertising, we once again, we want to keep on reaching out to those people who would be the decision makers who will be able to easily come and visit here. I think that what we're going to see was as people come back to traveling, they're going to travel there's everyone says they're going to travel but they are probably going to make what they consider safer travel choices so we probably won't be seeing a lot of people from florida or georgia or new york she said sitka will however see travelers from the pacific northwest and she's working to bring independent travelers here this summer as well We've developed a campaign for showing people just how easy it is to get here. Now that we're moving back into the summer season, Delta's coming back, um, Alaska Airlines has added the 70s back, flight number 70s are coming back into town. And we want to show people that they can take a flight to Seattle and then they're directly here. Visit Sitka's preliminary budget is around $450,000 for the next fiscal year. By next summer, the organization projects Sitka's tourism industry will see a big boost with the return of large cruise ships. They expect upwards of 400,000 cruise passengers, an 87% increase from cruise traffic in 2019. A former assistant district attorney in Sitka who was charged with assault has taken a plea deal that will likely save her legal career. 39-year-old Amy Williams was found guilty in Sitka District Court last Friday of one count of disorderly conduct and challenging to fight, a misdemeanor. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Williams was arrested and charged with assault in May of last year following a physical altercation with her boyfriend, whom she was trying to remove from her home. Both parties admitted to drinking prior to the incident. Williams' guilty plea to the lesser charge of disorderly conduct comes with a $150 fine. The Department of Law placed her on administrative leave at the time of the arrest and subsequently fired her. 
Reached for comment, Williams says she was forced to take the plea deal or she couldn't be licensed to practice in another state. The pandemic brought a halt to most trials last year. Otherwise, she says, I would have absolutely gone to trial and very likely been successful under these facts. In an email, Phil Shanahan, counsel to the Alaska Bar Association, says that no public disciplinary action has been initiated against Williams. The bar's rules can subject attorneys to disciplinary action, including suspension and disbarment, if they're convicted of serious crimes. But disorderly conduct likely does not rise to that level. In a similar matter in 1991, the assistant district attorney in Bethel, Brian Schuler, was arrested and charged with shoplifting. During legal proceedings, however, Schuler was found to have a prior conviction, also for theft. Because of his apparent criminal intent, the Alaska Supreme Court ordered the bar to suspend his license to practice law for two years. Amy Williams has left Alaska to resume her legal career elsewhere, but it's a bittersweet change in course for her. I love Sitka, she says. I would have died at my desk if they had let me. I miss it every single day. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Currently, the state of Alaska does not recognize tribes the same way as the federal government or states in the lower 48. A measure in the state house would amend state law to officially recognize most tribes of Alaska. Advocates say that pushing for that formal recognition is about changing the relationship between the state and tribes. KNBA's Trip Krauss dives into why that recognition matters for the whole state. House Bill 123 would change state law so that Alaska officially recognized tribes in the state in the same way that the federal government does. The federal government recognizes 229 tribes in Alaska. One of them is the Central Council of Clinkett and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska. Chakya Ish Peterson is president. It's, it's somewhat ironic to be asking for recognition, but we know that it's so important in our day-to-day business for, as uh, tribes. Peterson spoke to a House Special Committee meeting on tribal affairs. There are 574 federally recognized tribes in the U.S. um, I think that it's uh, not lost on many of us that those tribes here in Alaska making up half of the tribes in the United States are still struggling to be recognized here. Recognition is a complicated concept that could be a whole story in itself. But it's easiest to understand as something that would give the state more flexibility and opportunities to partner with tribes. If passed, the bill would provide jurisdiction to the tribes over its citizenship, residence, and over water and land ownership. It's helpful to think of this jurisdiction not as a physical boundary that tribes would have control of, but as an added layer of local governmental control. Walthall Gedock Barbara Blake is director of the Alaska Native Policy Center at the First Alaskans Institute. Blake also spoke before the Tribal Affairs Committee. She says that three sovereigns are at work in the United States, federal, the states, and the tribes. This issue of sovereignty is thorny. A lot of people tend to think that expanding tribal sovereignty will diminish the power of the state and federal governments. Blake says it's actually an opportunity to strengthen the relationships between tribes, the state, and federal government, and for tribes to provide more services and bring more funding into the state for things that both want to accomplish. Um, These institutions are all providing services to citizens of the United States and citizens of the state and citizens of our tribal nations. Um, Services that are complementary to each other, 
services that we know uh, can go that much further by working together and finding opportunities to streamline how we all operate in this state. Another barrier to the state's recognition of tribal sovereignty is that a lot of people tend to think that there's a hierarchy, that one government has more control or authority than another. Laganai Liz Medicine Crow is president and chief executive officer of the First Alaskans Institute. And she says that's not true. But when it comes to being able to come together nation to nation and make agreements, that is the place not only of of, of coming to uh, uh, really critical decisions that need to be made, but it is a place of nation building. And for Alaska, that's something that we could have here as well, a place of building a better state. So what is the state doing right now? Well, instead of recognizing tribes and tribal organizations and sovereigns and letting them have local control over certain services, the state signs contracts or compacts with them. It's best to think of contracts as agreements between two or a small group of parties with the expectations to deliver goods or services by accomplishing X, Y, and Z. And it usually comes with a deadline. But while contracts are legally binding agreements, tribal organization leaders like Liz Medicine Crow say contracting limits and constrains tribal service providers too much. You're getting the result that you pay for um, when it comes to contracting because the, the bar for, um, you know, the bar for uh, success is, is being held onto so tightly that they cannot do what they really need to be able to do. And there's so much tight control and wanting to have power and control over it that, in fact, it's suffocating the system from being able to really uh, achieve what's possible in provision of public service to our communities and public safety to our communities. The other avenue of government-to-government relations between tribes and the states are compacts. Through compacts with the state, tribes help fund services by leveraging federal money, money that the state may not have access or capacity to deliver. Areas of opportunities for compacting include in child welfare, education, public safety, as well as transportation. Tribes, the state, and the federal government often legally spar over jurisdictions. Most recently, the Metlakatli Indian Reserve sued the state and federal court in regards to fishing rights. And the state sued the federal government for giving tribes optional out-of-season hunting rights out of concerns for food scarcity and security during the early months of the pandemic. Alaska Native Policy Center Director Blake says that a closer relationship, one based on mutual respect as equals, would limit the amount of times that legal action is necessary. In Anchorage, I'm Trip Krause. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website at kcaw.org. Hope you can stick around here this morning coming up at uh, 8.16 on our interview, our Raven Radio News Director Robert Woolsey speaks with Garland Kennedy. He's the Daily Sitka Sentinel uh, sports editor about high school basketball. In the forecast today, showers likely mainly before 10 a.m., mostly cloudy skies with a high near 41, west winds around 10 miles per hour, chance of rain 60%.